The verse is Matthew chapter, 19, chapter 28, verse 19, verses that we've studied many times before. Here we go again. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you to get for gathering us here today to worship you. Thank you for the start of the Chinese school semester. Be with us as we try to spread your word the best we can to these folks, these 48, at least 48 new folks who are here to hear your gospel, to hear your word. And we ask that you just be with us right now as we sit here and hear your word right now. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, as I mentioned, and as is obvious from all the people running around today and new faces and chaos and all that stuff, today is the first day of the new Chinese school semester. And we did have 48 people take the test, so that means like potentially 48 new people, 48 people that haven't heard the gospel, 48 people that need to hear the gospel, 48 people for us to witness to, 48 people to share the Bible with. This, as always, is one of our big, biggest events of the year in terms of evangelism, in terms of the church working together, whether it be all you Chinese school teachers out there, flyer-passing people, people who pray, people who fast, people who help out in any way related to the Chinese school ministry, whether it be picking people up, whether it be cleaning up after them, whether it be any of that stuff, it's a big deal. It's a big thing. But as Nathan kind of hinted at the other day when he spoke last about the numbers and so on, it's also not a time for us to rest on what we did, right? It's not that, oh, we hit whatever number and then we stop praying, stop caring, or whatever. Our job as Christians, our job as evangelists is not supposed to end, right? It's supposed to be continuing duty. It's not just that we did a great job, got a lot of people out to Chinese school, let's take a break. Nope, got to keep on going, got to keep on getting people saved. So we'll talk a little bit about that today as we talk about what does it mean beyond just, oh, it does up for Chinese school, right? What does it mean to be effective at evangelism, effective at spreading the gospel for all of us? Let's talk a little about that today and see where we stand. Not just, oh, we pass out a bunch of flyers and that's it, but what do we stand in our own lives? Let's start at the beginning before we get into the, the, the meat of it, just with a quick background. What is evangelism? I don't want to confuse people with big vocabulary words. I think you guys all know. It's about spreading the gospel, whether it be public preaching or whatever, or personal witness, however it's done, that's what God wants us to do. It's been a Christian duty since the time of Christ. We read the verse right there, right? Where Jesus instructs his people to go out there, teach his word, right? Get them baptized, meaning get them to believe in God so that they want to be baptized, right? Even from Jesus' day, this has been his instruction to all of us. So it is a Christian duty, a duty that comes from no less authority than Jesus Christ himself to spread the gospel, to make sure more people get saved. And we've seen Christians take up this duty for the past, you know, 2,000 plus 2,000 years, right? Doing it 
in many different ways, many different forms. We've had Paul, going all the way back to Paul and his missionary journeys, fast forwarding all the way to today, where people use, you know, social media and technology and whatever to go do it, too, right? It's been a nonstop job, a job even way back when they had to do, and a job even today we got to do. Why is it so important? Why did Jesus instruct us all to take care of this? Why is it a big deal? Because it's God's will. It's God's will. It's an instruction, right? <coughs> he wants us to get people saved. Why wouldn't he, right? Why wouldn't he want more people worshiping him? Why wouldn't he want more people honoring him? Why wouldn't he want more people in the brotherhood and sisterhood of Christ? God wants it. That's why we've got to do it. Also, why we've got to do it? Because it is the one lifeline there is out there to the unsaved world. They're dying, folks. We know this. We know that without Jesus, their future is a lake of fire. Isn't that right? That's stark terms, blunt terms, but truthful terms. Without Jesus, without the gospel, that's the only future anyone in this world has, the lake of fire. What's the way to save them? What's the way to save all these people, these Millions and millions and billions of people that do not know Jesus, it's for us to throw out that lifeline, for us to throw out that message, the message of salvation, the evangelical message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We got to do it. Guess what? No one else is going to do it. The world is not going to do it for us. No one in the world is going to talk about Jesus. No one in the world is going to talk about people getting saved except for Christians. Right? If you're some Muslim guy, you're not going to talk about Jesus. Some Buddhist guy, you're not going to talk about Jesus. Only us that adds to our responsibility. Right? It's not something we can shove off on someone else. Hopefully someone else will do it. Nope, nope, nope. It's a duty for all Christians, for everyone, even in this room today that we have a duty to try to help get people saved. Which is why we're talking about today a whole message dedicated to it, right? So one might ask, well, how do we go about doing this, right? How do we go about it? Well, actually that's not what I'm talking about today, really, because the reality is there's no set way, right? People have done all sorts of different stuff over the years to try to get people saved. And they all have varying degrees of effectiveness and varying degrees of application or whatever, right? Some people just pass out a tract to someone and they read it and they get saved, right? Some people, they go door to door trying to talk to people and say, hey, have you heard the good news of Jesus Christ? Some people, maybe like us, oh, you invite people out to Chinese school and that's the way you get them to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, as I alluded to earlier, some people do it by technology. They post the message online and share with all their friends or whatever on social media. And someone might hear that message and get saved, right? They have a Christmas concert and people come out and they share the gospel message. They have a relationship with a family member and they talk to them one-on-one and share the gospel message. 
I'm not here today to say that there's one way and a best way and a way that all you guys have to do it. Certainly not. There's many ways. I think it's wonderful that there's so many ways and so many different approaches and so many different things we can do to share the gospel nowadays. And I think because there's so many different ways and there's so many different avenues and so many people that need to hear this message, we all have less excuse to not do it, right? We have less excuse when there's so many things we can do, so many ways we can do it. Right? It's not just the only thing you can do is pass out the Chinese school flyer. That's not the only thing, right? It's not the only thing you can do is become like the witnesser and be the one guy, one-on-one witnessing here at church. It's not the only thing. No. We all can be part of it. But here's the thing to keep in mind as you think of in your own life, and I can't tell you because only you know yourself and know your skills and your ability and so on and what you want to do and how you want to do it. I can tell you this, that the method doesn't matter so long as what? So long as you have the right foundations in place. You have the right foundations to be an effective evangelist for God. Okay? You have the foundation. You have the right uh, underpinning, the right basis. Some obvious, some maybe not so obvious. Here's a quote here that kind of sums up what we're going to talk about in this message here from John MacArthur. He says this, Effective evangelism is the right passion directed toward the right priorities by the right people to take the right precautions to make the right presentation in the right place. So I think that's a good like uh, one-sentence summary that, that kind of sums up how we ought to have the right foundation to go forward and be soul winners for Christ. And we'll look at some of those issues that he pointed out today to make sure that we all have the right foundations as we try to live up to Jesus' command to try to be the best soul winners we can all year round, not just Chinese school, right? Number one, the first thing, the obvious thing, the one that probably needs to be said least, is the presentation aspect of it. You got to have the right presentation. You got the right message, right? You got to know enough about the Bible, the bare minimum, right? And I think all of us here hopefully know this bare minimum by now. You've heard it uh, many, many times from me and others right here to know the gospel message, the simple gospel message. It is quite simple, isn't it not? It's that Jesus Christ, God's own son, died on the cross for your sins, my sins, everyone's sins, the sins of the whole world. And by trusting in Jesus Christ, by simply trusting and nothing else, not through good works, not through donating money, not through whatever kind of human action there is, by simply putting our faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, we have everlasting life in heaven when we die. The end, period, no more. That's it. The simple gospel message. We know that many people have gotten it confused over the years. They add different things. They change certain things. They want to make people think certain things. In addition to Jesus, it's Jesus plus something else. Jesus plus whatever else these other people have tried to add to it. But it's not. It's simple. It should be obvious to all of us here who've been here long enough. You've probably heard enough times. It is just that message that we boiled down. Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone can take away your sins. So to be an effective evangelist, number one, you've got to know the right message to be able to present that right message. Now, if you didn't know before today, you just learned it. So there you go. Check that off your list, number one.
you've got the right message. But here are the harder ones. Let me go down the list now, right? Number two, to be an effective evangelist for God, you've got to have the right passion. The right passion. The most effective evangelists are the ones that are the most passionate for soul winning. And this is true. I don't have statistics, but you can see the observational evidence. You can see the anecdotal evidence. You can see people you know in your life, in my life, in everyone's life. It's so true. When a person cares about getting people saved, when they have the heart, the desire, the burning passion that I want to get people saved, those people, no surprise, become the best soul winners. The ones that don't really care, <coughs> that say, like, I could get people saved or not. It's not a big deal. Oh, people didn't get saved. Oh, well, I don't care. No surprise there that they're not the best soul winners for God. Right? We look at someone as an example. The Apostle Paul, right? Look at his life and his writings. You see through his writings, and you see through the stories, how dedicated this man was to the gospel. Was he not? Writing from prison to people about it. Getting arrested for preaching the gospel. Going all over the world. Abandoning whatever home he had and family he had to go do that. That's the life of a servant that has that fervent passion and dedication to do that, to go out there, to share that gospel. That was Paul, or probably the best example of such a passionate soul winner for Christ. We've seen it here, you know, when we see some of our uh, missionaries come and share with us, how much more so passionate they are than all of us here. I cannot say that I have their level of passion, right? Where they say, I'm going to go to China. I'm going to go live there. I'm going to go spread the gospel to as many people as possible to share that message, that one that God has put in my heart, the one I have a burning desire to share. It doesn't matter that I have to leave my family here at home. It doesn't matter that I have to raise my kids up in a foreign country. It doesn't matter that my life there is going to have like a lower standard of living than the United States. It does not matter. What matters? Getting people saved got to have that passion, right? No, you, you don't have to. Well, I take that back. You don't have to. There's plenty of people who work for God and serve God, and they don't have that burning desire, right? But we know from observational evidence that those people are not the ones that last, that aren't doing it for life. It's just like to use a really rudimentary example, stuff like not even talking about like serious missionary work or evangelism or whatever. Let's talk about like, just like fire passing, right? You know, every year, Nathan makes a big deal out of, oh, to like high school, right? Look at the high school kids, right? Makes a big deal about, oh, you can get a, a 20 bucks, right? For fire passing. Oh, you can get like community service credit for like fire passing or whatever, right? And you know what? I bet there are some people that would have not gone fire passing but they thought, oh boy, I got 20 bucks. I could sure use 20 bucks, right? Or they would not have gone flyer passing, but oh boy, I could sure use that community service credit. Maybe I better go do that, right? You know, and they do it and they get their 20 bucks and I'm sure they're really happy, right? That they got 20 bucks and they went flyer passing. Those people I observe, 
that are in it just for 20 bucks, they're not the ones that are going to be flyer passer for life. They're not the ones that are going to be evangelists for life because they don't have that passion. They don't have that in their heart. They're doing it for 20 bucks. Now, then again, it's better than nothing, right? Like I said, hey, you're doing something at least, right? Hey, you care. You did. Maybe someone got saved. You passed out the flyer. They came out of Chinese school or whatever, right? Not, no knock on that, right? But if we're talking about being the most effective evangelist we can be, you want the guy that says, you know, I would go out to flyer passing even if I got zero dollars. Even if there are no community service, those are the ones that will be there that are willing to stand out in the rain and pass out flyers. The ones that will be there day in and day out and do that. And it carries through throughout the rest of your life and through whatever evangelism there is, right? The one that gets turned off when there's no 20 bucks is not going to be the one that's going to say, I'm going to sacrifice my work time to go and share the gospel with someone. Uh, to sacrifice there, whatever it is, to go invite people out, to do whatever, to serve God. That's not going to be their thing. The one that can say, it's in my heart, it's my desire, i got to do this, have to do it for God, is one that won't care that I lose money to serve God, I lose my time to serve God. It won't matter because they know it's right and they know it has to be done. Now, all that being said, all that being said about being the passionate evangelist. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Passion is not something that can be taught. Now, I just told you, you're going to be passionate, right? But I could say that a million times. I could tell to you one-on-one. I can teach you all the stuff from the Bible. It will not make one lick of difference. I cannot make you the passionate Christian, right? No amount of lessons can make you the passionate Christian. That's not the way it works. The only way to change your heart, there's only one way. It's not me. It's not Melvin. It's not Nathan. It's not 20 bucks. It's only through the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is in our heart, in each and every one of us, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. Is he not? And you know Jesus. Is Jesus the one that wants to go out and get people saved? Oh, you bet. He definitely wants to get people saved. Would Jesus sacrifice all his time, his effort, his energy to become a better evangelist? Yeah, certainly. You bet. No doubt in my mind. That's what God wants for us. No doubt in my mind, that's what our Holy Spirit in all of us is calling us out to do. But some of us, we don't communicate with the Holy Spirit. We don't listen to that Holy Spirit. We don't spend time with that Holy Spirit. We don't let it shine through. If we want to be a passionate soul winner for Christ, it starts out with first becoming in communication with Christ. You got to pray. Do we not? If you don't talk to him, how do you know his will? How do you let him guide? You got to communicate. You got to read his Bible. You got to know his words. You got to have that communication, that back and forth to know the will of the Holy Spirit. That's what moves you. You got a fellowship. You got to hear the words of your fellow soul winners in Christ. You got to have that to touch your spirit. And once you have that, that's what drives you. That's where the passion comes from. That relationship you have with God. You say, I can't say get people saved because I'm not passionate. I don't care. Well, maybe the problem is not waiting for someone else to tell you, hey, you got to be passionate. It's look inward yourself and say, why am I not? 
What is my relationship with God like? Am I right with God? Am I praying to him? Am I reading his word? Do I have it in my heart? Am I communicating with that Holy Spirit? Once you do, the message will be loud and clear to you. And you'll feel it. And you'll know it. Ah, we got to get people saved. Jesus wants me to get people saved. That's what drives me to get people saved. Got to be a passionate evangelist if we want to do it the right way. Third thing, we got to have the right personnel to do it. You got to have the right people in the right places, right? Give an example Paul, right? He was the right guy for the mission, was he not, right? He is a Roman citizen, so he could travel all throughout Rome and share his message. He had a team of people with him that could do different stuff at different times. On his first missionary journey, he had Barnabas, the senior guy that, that had been around longer that can help him with that. Later on, the second time through, he had Silas to help him, and he had his skills, and they picked up Timothy, who could help them reach out to Gentiles, Andrews. There's all these people that fit into the right roles to do the right thing, to help God in his mission to spread his word. There's no one-size-fits-all evangelist. You need different people with different skills to preach this message. That's why it really is for all of us, right? You can't just assume that, oh, this guy, he's good again, you'll save. We'll let him do all the work. It doesn't work that way. There's no one way, one method, one guy. You know, as much as people say about, you know, Nathan or Melvin or whatever, guess what? If you plunk them down in China, They'd be terrible at soul winning, right? I bet you could, they would not disagree, right? Because they'd be, they don't speak Chinese well or whatever, or whatever. It wouldn't make sense, right? It would not work that well. Likewise, you could take them and their great soul winning efforts and maybe you put them down in like, you know, the deep south in Mississippi. And you know what? They're, all their things that they're good at might not work any well. You say, I want to do a Chinese school in Mississippi. Well, won't not work. There ain't no Chinese people there, right? You know? There's different people for different jobs in different places, and God has set it up for each one of us. We all have our skill and role in service to God. Not everyone can do Chinese school. Not everyone is going to be like, oh, I'm the Chinese school teacher. I know Chinese. I'm going to teach them Chinese, and then people will get saved thanks to my great Chinese school. Some people are like me. They stink at Chinese, right? I could never do Chinese school. That's me, right? Right? Some people, maybe they can't do like whatever else it is. Like, oh, you got to do the Christmas concert. Oh, I have no musical talent or skill or whatever. You can't do it. Right? But there is something that each of us can do and some skill that's better than the rest that you can do and to fill in your role as an evangelist for God. Like we said, there's so many different ways right now. We live in the, in the 21st century where there's so many avenues, so much diversity of, you know, thought and places and people that there's got to be somewhere we fit in, right? College people. I bet you guys fit in really well on the college campus spreading the gospel much better than like some old guy like me, right? It'd be weird if some old guy like me going, hey, you talk about Jesus, do you know Jesus? No, but you guys do it. Hey, maybe that's your alleyway. Maybe that's your strength. That's your role, right? Likewise, for the people who speak Chinese, like, hey, maybe this is you, you're the best that you're gonna go out and talk to the Chinese community, right? Like. 
parents and like older people and immigrants or whatever, right? Maybe that could be your calling, your burden to share that gospel with those people. Whatever it is, I have no idea. You guys all know your world and where you fit in better than I do, right? Maybe your role isn't to be like you're the, you know, the, the official whatever witnesser to the kid in Chinese school. Maybe it's not going to be that your role. Maybe it's something else. But there is something. And there is something for everyone. That's why Jesus calls us all to do it. As we do that, as we do that, we make sure we take the right precautions. Precautions. Because the most effective evangelists know their target audience. Whoever your audience is. Like I said, it's going to be different for each people, right? For all of us here, it's not one size fits all. We're all going to be working on whatever group it is we're best at. But again, look to Paul as our example. What does he say about his approach? He said in 2 Corinthians 9.22, I made all things to all men that I might by all means save some, right? Famously, Paul is one who said that, you know, he'll be the Jew to the Jews and the Gentile to the Gentile, right? Whatever it takes, he will try to appeal to those people. So we have to count and know for the different populations we're ministering to. Here's the reality, right? The generation of people like these 48 folks that came out here to Chinese school are a lot different than us, right? When we were kids, life was a lot different, right? We grew up totally different than these 48 kids are growing up today now, right? Do we account for that? Do we have to acknowledge that when we try to teach them our Sunday school, teach them witnessing, teach them even in Chinese school? Yeah. We've got to account for that, right? That we have to understand that, oh, these people have a different background, right? Likewise, if you're trying to minister to, like, let's take example, the other opposite stream, like older Chinese people, you know that they have certain traditions. You can't insult your traditions. You know Chinese, right? There are certain traditions. If you, if you break this tradition, oh, you insult them, right? It's like, oh, how can you insult me? I don't want to listen to you at all, right? You're not being effective evangelist that way either, right? You got to make sure you know, you know who you're dealing with, how you're going after them, and doing it the right way, right? To account for all these different populations that we might be ministering to. Now that we think, right, that, oh, we can do, we have our own ministry to do, we have our own goals to do, we have to do it the right way too, take the right steps and the right precautions. Finally, we got to have the right priorities, when it comes to getting people saved. And here's the thing that people may not realize and we forget about sometimes and think about. Priority is not just let's witness someone, right? There are some people who are evangelists. And like I said, this is not to say that any one method is, you know, like the super method or the bad method or whatever. But we know there's some evangelists and they're kind of like traveling spokesperson, right? You go from town to town and they have like one or two sermons and they go share that sermon everywhere and then they go to the next town and they share that same message again and they go to the next town and they share the same message again and hopefully by sharing this one message over and over again in different places that someone will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and get saved. And undoubtedly, some people do get saved through that method, right? And that's a, you know, that's a legitimate way. Like I said, it's better people get, more people get saved than don't get saved. But what is a weakness in that method? Well, again, let's turn to the Apostle Paul and see how he did things. We saw that Paul, when he went on his missionary journeys, he was not doing that. He was not just going to each city, giving a speech, and leaving. What did he do? He planted a church. 
right? He would start the church in Iconium. He would start the church in Lystra or whatever. And he would put people in charge. He will tell, had people, had people there to uh, continue the mission after he left, right? He was Paul, the church planter, more than just Paul, the missionary and the evangelist, just in and out. In fact, when we studied Paul and his missionary journeys, what did he do every time? On the second missionary journey, where did he go first? Oh, he went back to all those churches that he started the first time, right there, right? He went to confirm those churches, to check up on them, to make sure they're still doing well, to make sure they're still growing, that they're still working hard. Likewise, his third missionary journey, where did he start off doing? We remember. He went to the same places again. He went to Galatia again and all the places there and to check up on his churches to make sure they're still carrying out his ministry, doing his work. We heard Melvin talk about on Missionary Sunday, the ministry of Dwight Tomlinson, right? How did he do it? How does he do it? He doesn't just go in and out. He goes there to start the church. Why? Why? Why did Paul do it that way? Why is Dwight Tomlinson doing it that way? Why do we encourage people to do it that way? It's because of this. If you just go there and you share the message and then you leave, maybe one person got saved from your message, right? But then it ends right there, doesn't it? But what if it's like this? You go there, you get someone saved, you teach them about what it means to get saved, you teach them how to get more people saved, and then you leave. Well, what happens? That guy's left behind. He knows how to get people saved, and he gets more people saved. Isn't that the way it works? You start a chain reaction where it's not just all on me, the evangelist, I travel around and as many people as I can share with, but it's not just me, it's the guy that I taught. And hopefully that guy, he will find other people and he'll teach more people, right? And then he'll teach more and more people. And then it turns into like what? Well, you know, what was it called? The seven degrees of separation or whatever, the chain reaction, right? That once you get to so many levels of this, if people just taught one person, the next person, you would reach like exponential amounts more. So it's important to remember that our job as evangelists does not end with witnessing. It does not end at all. As soon as I witness to the Chinese school kid, I'm done. That's not right at all. It continues. Our duty continues with discipleship. That is also the job of an evangelist. It shouldn't be the case that, okay, Chinese school kid, I got you saved. Okay, great. I'll never see you again. I don't care what happens to you anymore. It's not the way it works. It's, hey, now that you're saved, let me continue to encourage you, to remind you, to build you up. Why? That hopefully one day Chinese school kid goes and invites someone else to Chinese school and then more people get saved, right? That's the idea. We want that chain reaction to start, that it multiplies, that more and more and more people get saved. Who's the best example of starting this chain reaction? Our best example is always Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ is on earth, did he spend all this time making sure that he witnessed to people one-on-one over and over again and speak publicly and make sure that his message is broadcast to thousands and tens of thousands and, and you know, hundreds of thousands of people? Was that his goal? No. What did he do when he was on earth? You guys know this because you go to Nathan's Sunday school. He had what? He had 12 disciples. He had 12 disciples that he taught the most, right? These 12 disciples are the ones he focused on. Yeah, sometimes he would preach to the general public. Sometimes he would go out and do miracles and stuff, you know, for a few thousand here and there. But who got the best lessons from Jesus? Who got the most? The 12. They were the main focus. Why is that? 
Because Jesus knew what would happen. He knew one day he'd be gone. And it couldn't be that once he got, he's gone, then people stop hearing about Jesus. He knows if I have these 12 people, they will go out and they'll get other people. And then they'll teach other people. And those people will teach other people. And then it grows and it grows and it grows. It's the same mission for us today, folks. We don't just get people saved. We teach those people. We get them to learn. We make the message grow and grow and grow and spread and spread. It doesn't end with, oh yeah, we pass out the flyer. They came to the Chinese school. There's 48 people. We're done. We're not done. We're not done till these 48 people take up our mantle, right? And say, aha, now it's time for our turn to get the next 48 and the next 48 and the next 48 and the next 48. The chain reaction, right? If we don't have that, God's church dies, doesn't it? Right? If we just say, oh, Melvin did it. Well, one day he's going to die, right? And say, would that, would we be happy just saying, oh, wait, he did it. The end. He died. Nathan died. He, they, he died. Then the church dies. No, it's up to them to spread it to all of us, that passion. Then all of us to spread it to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. To be great evangelists, we have to have that right priority. The priority is not only witnessing, but to disciple that next generation of future evangelists. To wrap it up, we have this quote here by James Ogley. Very simple quote. It says, the mission of the church is to seek and to save them that are lost. Is it not? May that be our goal. May that be our hope for all of us in this room today that we strive to be an evangelist, not just Chinese school season, not just a pass out a flyer, but for all things, in all times, for all year round. Let's pray and finish this up today. Dear God, you know, we thank you for 48 people that came out for Chinese school today, but we know your work doesn't end there. We've got to get more people out. We want to keep on sharing your gospel in different communities. Maybe we couldn't help in Chinese school. We're going to help in something else, right? And do more and not just stop when we get one person out, but continue the work even the work, the hard work of discipleship, so that one day this next generation is going to be the one that's going to be out there sharing your word, multiplying and multiplying and multiplying your message for all time. God, we ask you to be with us as we continue to work hard for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.